he goes home later this week, he will be going home with hospice as well. Um, God is so good, and he is faithful in all parts of life, especially when he calls his children home. Uh, we take heart in the fact that Psalm 116.15 tells us that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So let us praise God for his faithfulness. Now, as far as your bulletin goes, there are other announcements that you'll find in there about when things are starting back up, like Wednesday night and Bible study and youth group and all that sort of thing, but I'm going to let you find those. Y'all, a new year is upon us, and the Lord has been so faithful. God is working in our midst. His faithful mercies are new every morning. And the fact that you are right here right now is a testimony to his unfailing love. He brought you here, all of us here, to worship him. So let's now take this time to prepare our hearts for worship as Donna leads us in the prayer. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 20, which is rather appropriate given the fact that it is the last day of 2023 and the new year goes out before us. It says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. May he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. Let us shout for joy at your victory and lift the banner in the name of our God. May the Lord fulfill all your requests. Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. Some put their trust in chariots, others in horses. But we put our trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Lord, give victory to the king. May he answer us on the day that we call. And my friends, while there are many fitting messages given the fact that we're going into a new year, let this be your motivation. Let this be your guide to remember to call on the name of the Lord who hears you and to trust in Jesus Christ, his only son and our savior. Now, as we go into this time of worship, let's ask the Lord to guide us. Let's go to him in prayer. But after that, we will pray the Lord's Prayer together, and then we'll confess the Apostles' Creed, and both will be available on the screen should you need them. Let's go to our Lord now. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to have this time together. The fact that you have provided for us in so many ways, and not just in the physical sense, but in the emotional sense, and certainly in the spiritual sense, that we are here this morning. Given this opportunity and this time of the year that's busy, this time of the year where lots of things are happening, you've given us this time to stop and to focus on you. So please be with us now as we do this. Guide us by your Holy Spirit that this time would be pleasing to you, that your name would be lifted up, that our hearts would be filled with gratitude and awe as we bask in your glory and in your majesty. Please do these things through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, by your Holy Spirit. It's in his name that we pray these things and also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Virgin excuse me, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen, and thank you for keeping me straight on the Apostles' Creed this morning. Now, let's stand together and take our hymnals and turn to hymn number 26. Of course, the words are on the screen. As we sing, O Worship the King, All Glorious Above. Hymn number 26. Please sing.
Now you may be seated, but children, join me down front, right over here. just you and me. We're the only men up here right now. We're outnumbered, but that's okay. It's so good to see everybody today. I hope that you all had a very, very Merry Christmas. Now, I said to Mr. Martin earlier, I'm sad because Christmas is over, but that's okay because we can still think about Christmas this morning. Now, I told you last week, and, and, and whoever it was that left the Advent candles here this week, but I told you last week that we'd be talking about the last candle in our Advent wreath. Remember, Advent is that fancy word that we use for this time of the year because we think about Jesus coming, being born that first Christmas in Bethlehem. Now, remember, each week we lit a different candle to represent different things that we need to focus on at Christmas time. Now, there were three purple candles and one pink candle, and we talked about the last one of those last week. They, they represent hope, peace, joy, and the fourth candle last week was love. But this morning is different, right? How so? You observant ones, what's different about this morning? About our wreath? That we're lighting the right one. We're lighting the right, well, we are lighting the white one, that's right, it's hard to say. But is something missing this morning? They all are not as observant as I thought that you would be. That's right. The, the pink and the purple candles are gone. Those that, that represent those things that we focused on at Christmas. And instead, they've been replaced by red candles. Now, red is an important color for us in the church because it's used usually to represent something. Now, some of you, are, all of you are smart cookies. Does anybody want to guess what the red color represents for those candles? A little bit louder. That's right. Jesus, it represents Jesus' blood. That's exactly right. Because here's the thing. While Christmas is full of so many wonderful things and there's so much to enjoy at Christmas time, we need to make sure that we always remember what Christmas is really all about. And what Christmas is really all about, according to John 3.16, is that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And the way that that all works, we find this out in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says that God showed his love for his people in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We know that Jesus died on the cross. And that's why Christmas had to happen. Jesus couldn't die on the cross if he never came in the first place. And the reason that Jesus came was to pay for our sins. So that by trusting in him, we can have forgiveness for our sins. And that's why those candles have been replaced, the, the purple and the pink. And now we have red candles that represent Jesus' blood. And the white candle in the middle represents Jesus himself. Jesus has given lots of names in the Bible. But one of the things that he's called is the Lamb of God. And as the lamb, he's our sacrifice. But he isn't just any lamb. He's the perfect, 
spotless lamb, just like that candle is white and there's not a single spot on it. Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. Y'all, while there's, again, there's many wonderful things to remember about Christmas, and I hope that you can look back at Christmas in 2023 and you have wonderful memories going forward. But what I pray that you will never forget, and I'm going to pray this in a minute, I pray that you'll never forget that the whole reason we have Christmas is that God did what was necessary to save us as people. And while Christmas shows us many things, it should show us most of all God's love through giving us the gift of Jesus. I'm going to pray for you that you don't forget that and the rest of us do. Father, I thank you for these children. I pray that you would always help them to remember you, your love, your sacrifice, all that you have done so that they can know you and be with you forever and the rest of us too. Father, please give us grateful hearts. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all can go. We were watching closely to see if there was going to be like a trapeze thing on the rail right there. It didn't happen, Glenn. We were close, but nevertheless. Well, as they're being dismissed, let's now take this time to go to our Lord in silent prayer, and then I'll lead us in the pastoral prayer. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, what a blessed thing it is to be here now in your presence. To have this time that you have set apart. And whether it is reflecting on the words that we have lifted up already or what we have read in your word or even what we've just talked about with the children. In so many ways, you show your love to us. You are merciful. You are gracious. And all the while, you are perfect and spotless. You are good. And Father, as we consider all of these truths, let us not be so closed off. Let us not have such tunnel vision that in examining who you are, that we refuse to see who we are. That while we are your beloved, we are still sinners saved by grace. And we're in need of forgiveness. As the psalmist lifted up, so we lift up. Please renew within us a right spirit. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. Let us be ever mindful of Jesus' sacrifice and what it took to save us. And in that mindfulness, as we live our lives, when we fail, let us come to you again and again seeking forgiveness. Thank you, Father, for your mercy, for your love, that you love to be forgiven. And again, thank you for your provision. Not only is today evidence of that, we can see your faithfulness to old providence throughout the generations. It is when members such as Bobby go home to be with you that this is so poignant. A, a lifelong member and 92 years old. And you have been faithful all these days. Faithful to the point that he walked through the valley of the shadow of death and feared no evil. And you took him home to be with you where he will dine at your table forever 
with all those that have gone on before him that know and love you. And Father, this is our hope as well. And we know that others uh, in our congregation, in our midst, are struggling right now too. Some of them are, are seemingly much closer to being with you. We pray for peace, for comfort, for mercy, mercy, for a special measure of grace, not only for them, but for their family, for their loved ones. For now is such a time of mixed emotions. Please be with them. Again, a special measure of your presence right now. Thank you, Father, for all the ways that you prove your faithfulness. We pray that you would be not only with those that are struggling in this way, but those that are struggling in other ways. As we are here, <clears throat> seemingly at the end of the Christmas season with the new year unfolding before us, this can be a very emotional time, a time where we focus inwardly, a time where we examine those things that are and perhaps are tempted to dwell on those things that we think should be where we are tempted to question so many things. Yet, Father, please intervene in our hearts and in our minds. Guide us by your Holy Spirit that we would not only go to you for forgiveness for those ways that we have messed up, but also give us that resolve to recognize that we cannot go back, but we can go forward in faithfulness to you. And so as we consider these things, we pray that you would work in our hearts and minds, that we would be faithful here at Old Providence and beyond as we face challenges to these things, as we face sickness, as we face loss, as we face the uncertainty of time that goes before us. Again, draw us to yourself. Let us take those simple words of your Son and our Savior and apply them to our hearts that we would seek your kingdom first with the understanding that all the other things are added, trusting in you all along the way. Again, we pray this not only for ourselves at Old Providence, we pray it for your church universal, so that not only we would benefit from this, but that in being this way, and in conducting ourselves as we ought, we would point others to Jesus Christ, that they would see his light through us. No, Father, as we think about the world going into 2024, as we examine the time of wars and rumors of wars, the time of loss, the time of uncertainty, the time of confusion, we know that the ultimate answer, the only real answer, is the gospel of Jesus. So please, let the truth of Christ blaze forth. Let it start with us. Let us carry the truth of Christ wherever we go so that many would come to know you. Thank you for being active in our world, for being the sovereign one. Let us trust again and again, and we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. And now as we continue in our worship together, let's take our green Bible song book and turn to Bible song number 188 as we sing that great Bible song, Under His Wings. What an appropriate message given the day of the year it is. Let's stand together, Bible song number 188.
Let's go to our Lord, our Father. What we've just lifted up is so true because it is your word, it's your soul. Truly, you hold us under the shadow of your wings. You care for us, you provide for us in every way. And now as we return to you out of that abundance that you've bestowed upon us, I pray that you would bless the gift, that you would bless the giver, that these would be used in accordance with your will and for your kingdom. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you so much, Choir. What a wonderful reminder, especially given, again, what day of the year it is moving forward into the new year. And I hope that that is your desire, that God would come and dwell within your heart. If it's not, then I cannot begin to tell you not only, first off, the danger that you face of living without him, but even more so than that, in the immediate, the right now, that what you're missing out on, the joy, the fulfillment, the completeness that comes from Jesus Christ alone. So thank you very much, choir. Now, realizing what day of the year it is, I know that every Sunday morning I've been saying Merry Christmas, but now it's time to switch to Happy New Year. 2024. Can you believe it? 2024. I told somebody recently that it's a good thing we don't write a lot of checks anymore because genuinely, and I had to do it this morning, I had to to sign a bunch of different things for, for the church, for the... And, and I realized I was not used to writing 2023 today on the last day of 2023, much less what's it going to be like in 2024. Um, the new year really is an interesting time, an interesting phenomenon, really. Physically speaking, things pass, uh, and no day is really any different from the other day based on time. But, but despite this, when the calendar page flips, right, when the, the year counter turns over, something happens. It does something to us. For some, the new year can be a difficult time. I've alluded to this already. It, it can be a reminder of missed opportunities. Right? Um, it, it can be a reminder of those things that are that perhaps should not be. And some can greet it as another year. I've lost another year as it were. But along with that, for some, it's the other side of the equation, right? The new year can be a very inspirational time. That saying, new year, new me. Anybody seen that on social media yet? 2024 is the year to shine and and so forth. That's the case for some people. For still others, there's trepidation about the new year. Um, 24 seems a dangerous proposition. Uh, Maybe you have heard this, maybe you haven't. There's this little thing called a presidential election right around the corner. Um, Whether we like it or not, we're still dealing with COVID's fallout. Financially speaking, this is kind of an uncertain time, right? Um, Some are filled with fear as they consider the future. Sadly, what a way to live that is. Still others, again, they focus on being optimistic. But spoiler alert, if you don't plan on changing any of your behavior in 2024, then probably your 2024 is going to be very similar to your 2023 or worse. Um, Now, I don't know if you can read that. It says, my goal in 2024 is to accomplish the goals I set in 2023, which I should have done in 2022, because I made a promise in 2021, which I planned in 2020. Pretty fantastic, right? There's a lot of this stuff out there. Now, I saw this yesterday on Facebook, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm not going to tell you who it is. But when I read that on Vicky's page, I thought, that is just fantastic. <laughs> because it encapsulates... So, I had to do it. It's really fabulous. Because it encapsulates kind of that thing that, that's going on out there, right? Where we do see the new year as new opportunities... And sometimes it reminds us of, of, you know, really, I should have done this last year. I had a whole year. It went by. It, look, this whole subject of, of, of the new year, what, what can be done, it brings up the, the issue of resolutions, doesn't it? 
It's a multi-billion dollar industry, you know, everything from, from stopping smoking to losing weight right now is the time. I was in Walmart last night with Amanda, surprise, surprise, the Christmas stuff is gone, but they've got great deals on workout equipment and all sorts of supplements and that kind of thing. Um, it's that new year, new me mentality. Now, I want to be clear about something. There's nothing wrong with making resolutions. There's nothing wrong with wanting to better yourself or, or deal with things or anything like that. But the question is, as we go forward together, as a new year is dawning, what does the Bible have to say about moving forward? What does the Bible have to say about how we ought to live our lives? And, and certainly there's nothing in the Bible about the new year, January 1st, because that calendar had not even been invented yet. But the Bible has so much wisdom to offer, so much direction to give on how we should move forward into the future. And given what day of the year it is, the last day, in fact, I can't think of a more fitting message before we get back to our regular series in Philippians. So take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 today. So Proverbs chapter 3 is where we will be starting in verse 1. So go ahead and turn there with me. Now, as you're turning there, before we read anything, a little bit of background is necessary. The book of Proverbs is a collection of what has been referred to as wisdom literature, okay? That, that term has been applied to the book of Proverbs. And what it comes down to is these are wise sayings written by King Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived outside of Jesus Christ himself, okay? I don't know if you can see the picture up there, but that iconic story of the two women bringing the baby to Solomon and both of them claiming that the child was theirs and that famous cut the baby in half and of course the real mother said no 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 just give it to her right uh, that, that's what this picture depicts because it shows Solomon's vast wisdom now how did he get this wisdom perhaps you recall after King David's rule came to an end it was time for his son Solomon to take the throne and God came to Solomon and he told him in 2 Chronicles 1-7, it says, That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what should I give you? Now as a side note, pausing for a moment, how would you answer God? He came to you and just said, Ask, what should I give you? In other words, tell me whatever you want. You know, how much is the Powerball right now? I mean, that's that old thing. Well, money doesn't buy happiness, but I'd like to give it a whirl, just the same kind of thing. A lot of our minds go to money and that sort of thing, but that's not what happened with Solomon. His response was incredible. Verses 8 through 10, and, and Solomon, said, or Solomon said to God, You have shown great and faithful love to my father David, and you've made me king in his place. Lord God, let your promise to my father David now come true. For you have made me a king over his people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now, grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people. For who can judge this great people of yours? What an incredible response that is. Think about it. Didn't Solomon need wisdom to ask for more wisdom? Well, indeed he did. But in Solomon asking for this, Solomon understood something. And this is what's played out throughout the Proverbs. Solomon understood that wisdom is life and foolishness is death. Wisdom leads to fullness of life. Foolishness just leads to folly again and again. And Solomon's focus, therefore, was on what would glorify God and honor God, given the fact that he had been given this opportunity to be king of Israel. 
Now, God's response to Solomon was basically, well, because you didn't ask, I'll give you wisdom. But because you didn't ask for all of these other things, I'm going to give you all of these other things too. And indeed he did. There was never glory so great as when Solomon was king of Israel. But chief of all, God gave Solomon wisdom. And what we come to today is just part of the wisdom from God that was given to Solomon. Now, realize this too. This is Solomon's words here as he wrote the Proverbs, but it is the word of God as well. This is God breathing this out through Solomon. So it's Solomon's wisdom, but even more so, it's the wisdom of God. And what better thing could we have as we go forward into the future? We're going to start reading in verse 1, but first let's pray. Our God and our Father, as we come to your word now, please guide us in this time. Let us see. Let us understand, and not just in an academic sense, as if we're gaining some knowledge in an anecdotal sense. Let us understand what this means for our lives, individually, yes, but also corporately, as we are here together as your people, as old providence. We're not going to do any of this without you, so please guide us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. So, Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. It says, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days a full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and all people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him, and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And we'll stop reading right there for today. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. All right, so what does God's word have to offer in terms of wisdom for the new year? Yes, but for life in general. Our passage starts with an appeal there in verse 1, and that's how verse 1 really should be read, as an appeal. He uses the term son there, my son, but realize this is not just a communication between Solomon and his physical, earthly child right then and there, his biological offspring. If you read through the book of Proverbs, you find out that Proverbs, that Solomon uses that term son to not only refer to his physical son, he does that sometimes, but he also uses this term for all the youths of Israel, and then he uses it for all of Israel altogether. It's kind of like when an older man says to a younger man, son, right? And I've talked about this before, I think, but it, it, that's how you know you're getting older when you see a younger kid struggling to say, hold on, son, let me help. I did that with my nephew not too long ago. He's my nephew. He's not my son. But I said, Aiden, son, let me help you out here. And I thought, oh, man, man, I'm getting old, right? Because that's, that's the kind of thing that older guys say. They, they, they refer to people as son. It's a term of endearment, right? And it's that affectionate term where he says, my son. It's this endearment term where he's appealing for you to listen to him. Why? He says, my son, don't forget my teaching. And by the way, this applies to daughters too, right? Don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. Why? For they will bring you many days 
a full life and well-being. Now, y'all think about those three things just for a second. Many days, a full life, and well-being. How much of our society is based on the promise of these three things? Is it virtually everything for sale focused on offering one of these three things? It'll make you live longer, right? It'll make you happier. It'll make you healthier. All of that. So much of our society is based on this. How many financial empires have been built based off of this promise? How many products have been introduced, whether it's makeup that promises that it's... And I don't know how you ladies especially keep up with it. It's like an age serum, but then there's an age-defying serum, and then it's not a serum anymore. It's a scrub, and then you don't do scrubs anymore. It, it's exhausting. I don't know how you do But nevertheless, they offer all of these products that are supposed to offer many days, a full life, well-being, the drug industry, the supplement industry. Again, at Walmart yesterday, we were there last night. Loads and loads of these things that promise to deliver on this stuff. But let me tell you, and I'm not trying to, to put aside being healthy or any of those things. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But ultimately, many days a full life and well-being comes down not to those things that you buy, but those things that you do, especially as it relates to whether or not you will follow God's word. Because this promise that the whole world makes to give you many days a full life, well-being, the world can never deliver on this. But God can. And what does God say about these things? If, if you're looking to have these things anywhere and by anyone other than God, then, then you're going to be disappointed. Because God tells us not only that he gives, he, he gives us not only this promise, but he tells us how to do it. This many days, full life and well-being. It's in Proverbs 3. He says, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. So, again, what gives many days full life and a well-being? God tells us. It's right there in verse 3. Loyalty and faithfulness. That's why. If you want many days, if you want a full life, if you want well-being, then loyalty and faithfulness is the key. Now, you might say, it's really? Is, it's that simple? Well, here's the thing. If you live any kind of life at all, you know that loyalty and faithfulness can be pretty hard to come by in this world. We talked about this at Christmas, how joy, the, the shepherd's joy was contagious because it's such a rare thing. In the same way, loyalty and faithfulness are such rare things in our weary world. And if you're honest with yourself, you may find that you haven't always been the most loyal or faithful person out there. Uh, full disclosure, I can say that about myself, and it's to my shame, but I know that's true of me. That's especially true with the loyalty and faithfulness that the author is speaking of. Because realize the author is not speaking about general loyalty, general faithfulness. He's talking about being loyal and faithful toward both God and other people. We know that based on what we just read there in verse 4 because the loyalty and respect God's word is speaking of here is the loyalty and respect that earns favor with both God and people. But there's a problem here. Because loyalty and faithfulness are so rare, how do we do it? How do we have loyalty? How do we be faithful? Like I said, if you've lived any sort of life, you know that these are rare things and hard to come by. So how? 
Well, there are three ways that we focus on being loyal and faithful. God's word tells us how to do it. And they begin in verse 5. Look at verse 5. It says, first, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. That's the first way. How are we to be loyal and faithful? Trust in the Lord, not yourself. Now again, as we think about the world around us, I challenge you to find a message that is more contrary to what the world teaches you. Because what does the world say? Right? The, the mantra of the world is to, to trust yourself, to be true to yourself. And the worst, the absolute worst, and I tell people this all the time, the wor- they say, what's the worst advice you've ever heard? And y'all, I've heard some bad advice. The worst advice I've ever heard is to follow your heart. You want to know why? What does the Bible say about our hearts? In Jeremiah, we read the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The prophet reflects there on the nature of who we are, especially apart from Christ, our first inclination, which is to sin. And he asks that question, who can even know it? Who can understand the way the heart works? And if you think about times that you might have been running from God, isn't this true? Now, this is the prophet speaking. Of course, it's the Lord speaking through Jeremiah. He goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. In other words, God knows what's in our hearts, but often enough, we don't know what's in our hearts. Hence, the author of Proverbs says, if you're going to be loyal and faithful, don't follow your heart. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your understanding. Trust the Lord, not yourself. You know, Solomon, if you're looking for an example, this Solomon is a study of this. When Solomon trusted the Lord, Israel prospered as it never had before, and indeed more than it ever would again. But what happened when he leaned on his own understanding? Yeah, that's when trouble came in droves. This, this is the same for you and for me as we make our way into 2024. If you're going into the new year with a trust yourself mentality, and if you aren't focusing on God, then folly awaits. That's why number one, trust the Lord, not yourself. The next way, now number two, the next way we're to be loyal and faithful, and oh, by the way, have many days of full life and well-being, is seen in verse six. It says, in all your ways, know him. And he will make your path straight. The second way to be loyal and faithful, know the Lord. Now this is where we need to be careful. Oh, my friends, this is where the rubber meets the road because there is such a colossal, huge difference between knowing the Lord and knowing about the Lord. You realize that? If you know about the Lord, you may have all this wonderful knowledge. You may understand what you're supposed to and why you're supposed to do it. But if you don't really know him, and knowing comes down to trusting him practically in life, turning to him again and again, both in trust, in repentance, when you mess up, going to him, asking for forgiveness. This is about life with Christ. But if you don't have that, if you don't really trust him, all the knowledge that you may have accumulated is for nothing because it's not knowledge applied. How good is it to know something if you never put it into action? There's a lot of problems with the church in the United States, but perhaps this is one of the biggest ones. There's an author out there, and I I tried to look him up. I couldn't remember his name, couldn't find the quote. But he talks about this thing called the inoculation of the gospel. 
and is prevalent in the United States where people get just enough of the Bible. They get just enough of the gospel. They get just enough church to the point that they never really get it all the way. And what that looks like is people knowing right from wrong but not caring enough to do it. This looks like people who call themselves Christians but don't live like Christ in the slightest bit. It looks like people who say they're right with the Lord but really aren't. But listen to me well. As you consider the new year, as you consider your life and eternity, understand that if you're going to be loyal and faithful, if you're going to have many days, full life and well-being, it will never come from just knowing about God. It will only come from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Through living your life for him, trusting in him on a daily basis. And part of that trust results in what we find next. This is number three. How, how do you be loyal and faithful? How do you have these things? Look at verse seven. It says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know, as you look at the progress of the United States and how the United States seemingly is embracing wickedness more and more often, if you're scratching your head and you're wondering, where, where did it go wrong? Was it when prayer stopped in schools? What, you know, was it when everything started opening up on Sundays? And you know, we could go back and forth about different things that are symptomatic but not the real problem. I think what it really comes down to is at some point in time there was this shift away from really knowing God to knowing about Him. But also this, where instead of people fearing the Lord and turning from evil, they decided to be wise in their own eyes. When you hear about stuff that's going on in mainline churches today and you say, how did they get there? How, how could churches embrace these causes? How could they say it's okay for, for this to happen or for that to happen? It, you want to know why? It, it's from being wise in our own eyes. Because being wise in your own eyes means taking simple passages in God's word and saying, well, I know the Bible says that, but um, what it really means is this thing over here instead. This is just a cultural thing right here. It doesn't really doesn't really apply to today. Really, it's more about this thing over here. It's taking God's word and putting it aside and putting your own word first. That's what being wise in your own eyes is. It's excusing away sin and saying, well, it's really not that bad. And, you know, it's really based on love. We could go on and on as we talk about this. But, y'all, let me ask you something. If the world that focuses on its wisdom and so many in the church that focus on their wisdom instead of fearing the Lord... If there was really something to worldly wisdom, right? Let's think about the day of the year that it is, time of the year that it is. If the world were really that wise, then why would it be making the same resolutions the same years or, or over and over again, year after year, the same ones? If the world were that wise, would it really be chasing its own tail, trying to solve these same problems it's always trying to solve? Wouldn't it have fixed things by now? I think we all know, yeah, it, well, it, it should if we're really that wise, but we don't. Things don't get better on their own when we try to substitute God's word with our word. When instead of fearing the Lord and turning from evil, the world around us embraces evil. Y'all, you know, what we're given here is a formula for life in Proverbs chapter 3. It's a way of living that is truly different. And if you've ever known someone that follows this way, you see that it's different. 
That's one of the beautiful things of being a pastor. It's one of the beautiful things of knowing people that really love the Lord. And I'm not talking about perfect people here. I'm, I'm talking about people that are simply committed to Christ, the people that simply know him. We live in this time, don't we, where everybody wants to be original. Everybody wants to be seen as an independent thinker, right? We all want to be seen as wise. But if you want to be unique, y'all, the Bible tells us how to be unique. Trust in the Lord, not yourself. Know the Lord. Deny yourself and fear the Lord. By simply trusting that God is the sovereign and believing that he loved us enough to show us how to live and, and following him, that's how we're set apart. That's what following Jesus is really all about. I, I think of, of Herman. Every time I read Proverbs chapter 3, I think of Herman. It wasn't too terribly long before he passed that I was visiting with y'all and we were talking about different passages and he recited Proverbs 3, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And he said, I have always tried to live by this. And I'm glad that Sarah and Barry are here today. Um, if you can see my sermon, you'll see that I'd planned it. I didn't know y'all were coming today. But nevertheless, I think about Herman because he quoted Proverbs 3 so often because he understood what Solomon understood. That wisdom is the path of life. Foolishness, denying the Lord, not fearing the Lord, leaning on your own understanding is the path of folly. And y'all, you want to know the beautiful thing about all of this? I'm, I'm talking about this as if it, it's something to do, something to do. In the Bible, God reveals his plan of salvation and he shows us how to live. And the beautiful thing is that while we're shown how to live here by doing these things, realize it's not our works that save us. But instead, it's Jesus Christ who fulfilled all of God's laws, who, who died on the cross to save God's people from their sins. And so, living as he lived, following his example, it isn't about earning your salvation. This isn't about trying to work your way into God's favor. It's simply about knowing the Lord and living a life of gratitude to him. And in knowing the Lord, you trust him. And isn't that true? If you've ever trusted the Lord, in the midst of an incredibly difficult time, you know what it's like to have peace that passes understanding. Trusting the Lord, not yourself. Knowing the Lord, not just about him, knowing him. Denying yourself and saying, I'm going to fear the Lord. I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to do. Not because you've got to, but because you get to. You know, the rest of Proverbs 3 goes on to talk about all the different ways that we're not wise in our own eyes, but instead we fear the Lord and follow him. But it is these things that lead to a fulfilled life. Today, as we ponder the new year, let me encourage you to look not just to the new year, look beyond 2024. Look to eternity as you trust in the Lord, not yourself, as you know him, as you fear him. And remember that all of this is possible through Jesus Christ, our Lord alone. He's the one that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you know him, trust him. And if you know that you don't know him, Afterward, I'll be under the portico. Come and see me and we will talk. It's the most important thing you can do ever because if you do this, and if you know him, take heart in this. No matter what you face, if you know God, if you trust God, if you believe on Jesus, no matter what the circumstances, no matter if 2024 is far better or far worse than 2023, in Christ you really can have a happy new year. For it's in Christ alone that you have a happy eternity. Let's pray. Our Father, please help us to do these things, to not be wise in our own eyes, but instead to trust in you.
Forgive us for those times when instead of fearing you, we do our own thing. Instead of trusting in you, we trust in ourselves. We allow ourselves to sink deeper and deeper and deeper into self-reliance when instead your son is the one that calls us to himself. No, Father, we cannot go back, but as we go forward, renew in us a right spirit, a passion, tenacity even, for trusting in you, understanding that you will make our path straight, relying on you, knowing that you love us. In turn, let us love you and one another. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now as we close this time together and go into the new year, let's close by singing that great hymn. It's number 339 in your hymnal. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Please stand with me as we sing. Receive now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.